You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 201 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. Hope everybody enjoyed that great interview last week. I know Roger and I both did. Zub is a great guy to talk to, and you know, it's just it's just nice to talk about some fun comics. He is just great. We've had him before, and it's like you said, too, his enthusiasm for comics and for the craft of writing them and everything that's involved is is so apparent you you just have to talk to him for a little while and it comes through and not just that but then you the the you know the inside baseball of seeing how he works with others and their influence on his work as well and things like that it's it's always nice having him on the show he's a great guy well, we actually have some interesting news to uh, touch on this week briefly. In France, at the Some French Word International Comic Festival, every year they hand out their Grand Prix Award. You know, basically, it's like a Lifetime Achievement Award. And we talked about it last year because they gave it to Bill Watterson, the creator of Calvin and Hobbes. Well, this year it went to Katsuhiro Otomo, the creator of Akira. Awesome. So that's very cool to see it. It's... <laughs> It's always great to see who's nominated for this award and you look because it's a lot of people see it as the most prestigious award in the entire comics industry because the only people who are allowed to vote on it are people who have won it. You know, there's no there's no press. There's no fans. It's you're being elected by your peers. So it is always a huge honor. Yeah. No kidding. And they said he was actually one of the finalists last year, but Watterson won. <laughs> Do you know how long this has been going on for? Like what uh, year? I think they said 43 years. Holy I just geez. closed the article. Okay. I think they, I think the uh, festival has been going for 43 years. I don't know how long they've been handing out the award. Bloody long time. Let's yeah. just go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's still go looking. <laughs> anyway. <Stop> looking. <laughs> Roger. We're recording a podcast. Spiders. It's almost done. Oh, we are on the verge. Yes. It's right there. It's within grasp, and they they got to pull this off, right? What I'm really – I don't want to say impressed, but what I really love about this is not just the event as a whole and what we've been seeing and, and loving, but also the, the, for lack of a better word, consequences of these events. And now seeing all of these other rumors or different things about – other series that are going to be starting because of this. And I mean, we've been talking about Spider-Gwen how much, and now seeing the results of that and seeing the, you know, the covers and the, the talk about it. And, and in Marvel heroes, seeing her as a, 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 what is, what are they calling them? Psychics? What are they? You can have them in your group, whatever, but all of these things like that. And I'm really hoping that continues and we get a lot more of that with some of the other spiders that we've, clearly shown a lot of love for as well too so it's that you know the consequences of the series as a whole and getting all this other great stuff from it that's one of the things that i've actually been enjoying the most out of this yeah they've put way too much time and effort into world building a lot of these characters than the one-offs yeah yeah i mean at at least have them do something in secret wars 
you know, I'm, something. I want more than that. I'm not kidding. I, oh, well, well, we'll see what the shape of Marvel's publishing line is like after yeah. Secret Wars and see if there's room for a spider punk there's or a lady spider. Always room. There's always room. Let's be honest. This is true. Well, touching on some of the latest chapters in the Spider-Verse, we're going to start with Scarlet Spiders number three by Mike Costa, Paco Diaz, and Israel Silva. This is the clones, Ben, uh, not normal Ben Riley, but a Ben Riley, Kane and Jessica Drew from the Ultimate Universe, uh, going after the Inheritors cloning facilities and met with... And, and, Decent amount of resistance, but somehow managed to soldier through. Decent amount of resistance? That's what you're calling this? They they, they handled it. Kane had no, they didn't. <laughs> they did not handle it. When one of your group dies, that's no longer handling it. <laughs> that's just getting out by the skin of your teeth. Yeah, so the the star of this issue is definitely Ben, and I loved the internal monologue we got with him about how he always does the right thing and it always works out for him, and that it's Peter that was the screw up. Yeah, <laughs> it's Peter that let Uncle Ben die. It's Peter that let Gwen die. But after Peter even lost his powers, he was such a terrible Spider Man. <laughs> and then even going so far as once Ben took over, he saved Marla Jameson, which was a huge event for Peter a couple years ago in the comics. And just I love that <laughs> because so many people love Ben and, you know, the initial plan was for Ben to be the true Spider-Man. But that, of course, fell apart years ago. And I've never liked Ben. A lot of that has to do with this stupid sleeveless hoodie sweater <laughs> that he always wore. <laughs> But it's nice that Ben fans get at least this small little series to raise up and cheer for. This was he really shined in this, though. Let's be honest. This this Ben is awesome because he's still got the lightheartedness that's in Parker, but also more more of the responsibility and more of the the intelligence and not just kind of diving in although he does do a certain amount of that too but yeah this ben was freaking awesome and and built enough that when you get to the end and he does sacrifice himself you feel it they they gave him just enough development that you're like this is one of the the spiders that i would have liked to have seen an offshoot of even if it's just you know a little mini series or whatever to whatever to get more pre or post this event kind of thing would have been really really friggin' cool so mm. oh, we can still always see maybe a pre event although I doubt they'll do it but yeah just a great character I also really liked his interactions with Jessica how we've seen through her time with the Ultimates and all, all that stuff. She's definitely one of the edgier characters. You know, she's super spy, you know, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., all that stuff. And over the course of the series, seeing her soften and really start listening to Ben and respect him, that was some great character growth there. When I look at the various team-ups in the, the different ones that we've seen and whatnot, this has kind of been one of my favorites. I thought it would be... Silk and Spider-Woman, but, and I'm not going to blame the art for not liking that one as much. <laughs> it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help, but that's not why. It, it's still been good, but this one here, the, the the dynamic between each of the clones, not just by virtue of the fact that they are clones, but just the character types and whatnot, 
really worked really well and it was it was well written enough that i don't know it this really really for me worked exceptionally well and we kind of knew the a few of the characters well enough as as well god i'm saying well too much that it it really hit home right from the get go so i don't know i really liked this group very well because mm-hmm. you also have at the other end of the spectrum Kane, who's allowing the spider to take over. Yeah. You know, he, he's really exhibiting his role as the other in the great web of things, and just going nuts. How many times did he kill Genix? Yeah. <laughs> like three or four, I think. And, and to the point where he gets to the end of the story, and he's just in full berserker mode almost, and takes off for Loom World, which we will come back to in a little bit. Yeah. Now, we also had Spider-Woman number three from Dennis Hopeless, Greg Land, Jay Leaston, and Frank Darmada. I didn't really dig this one that much. And yet, again, the art didn't help, but I don't know. It just made Jess seem kind of weak and where she's thrust in and trying to cover as that universe's Jessica and just not working. And OK, you know, she's not prepared. She doesn't know the person she's supposed to be replacing, but international super spy bathroom problems was her oh, the best god, she could come up with that was stupid oh my god that was stupid the i i agree i agree this we've seen jessica really well handled in different series and i like when she is paired up with parker in in regular continuity kind of thing because there's such a a strong contrast and yet she can still be lighthearted at points but overall she she is a spy she is far more intelligent than what we've seen here i mean this was this was the, an excuse to use potty breaks as a a gag like even at the urinal thing and whatnot and you're like oh come on seriously this is this is the best you can do with these let's be honest awesome characters i i did not i didn't dig it i mean for me the highlight of the issue was at the end when uh gwen and silk finally showed up yeah <laughs> like, yeah it, i mean we'll see how it goes forward after spider-verse is over and Really excited for uh, Robbie Rodriguez coming on to handle the art and uh, moving it into a new direction. I'm, I'm not abandoning it just yet, but yeah, this was a pretty weak issue. I was so looking forward to this. Not even, you know, the Spider-Verse notwithstanding, just something for her to really, really shine and to get a lot more on the backstory and things like that. But I really am just not all that excited about the writing for this. Like it's, it's been fun in terms of just that extra bit of information for the event that's going on. But in terms of like really being able to sink your teeth into this character and care about her and, and the writing be good. Uh, I'm no, I'm not digging it. Mm-hmm. Just too bad. Well, next up, we have the big one, Amazing Spider-Man 13 from Dan Slott, Giuseppe Comancoli, Cam Smith, and Justin Ponser. My God, this issue was fantastic. Best cover so ever. so many ways. Best cover. Look at that freaking cover. Oh, I love it. So we finally get to learn more about the Uncle Ben that they discovered at the end of the previous issue. The last surviving human on Earth. We come to find out that, yes, Ben was the Spider-Man in this universe, but he did not take his job very seriously. The Green Goblin blew up his house, including May and young Peter, so he quit. 
And the best part of this is without a Spider-Man, when Dr. Octopus threatened to destroy the world, he accidentally actually destroyed the world, which of course brings Superior Spider-Man out and just brilliant character work and writing all around on that story. I A lot of things were being tied up really nicely in this, like that Otto figuring out that Parker there is future Parker, which means mm-hmm. he does hang on. So that's a nice little thing there too. There were a bunch of moments that I liked. I did not like, however, the elements with Ben. And I know you can't have, you know, every one of the characters be this stellar character yeah. that's got. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, Ben's story itself was okay, but it was more how the rest of the cast reacted to it that I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, the stuff with Ben himself was nowhere near as impressive. And, I mean, it was it was all right. And But, I don't know. You, when you're looking at a character of that magnitude and importance, making him be this wimpy type, boring, blah character that caused the end of that world is kind of leaves you hanging. Right. But like you said, we also had Peter slipping up and recognizing Anna Maria, which clues Auk in that it's not a past version of himself, but actually a future version, which of course means at some point he fails. Now, now I want to go back and reread Superior Spider-Man to the point where this story takes place for him and see if there actually is a shift in the character. Yep. I agree. Because this is a big revelation for him. But you get the great payoff at the end of Peter trying to give Uncle Ben the pep talk and Otto coming out and delivering the great speech. Yeah. So the the main story in this was mostly between Peter and Otto and those interactions have always been fantastic. We also had a great number of side stories going on here. We had Silk and Gwen running off to go save Jessica. I love those two characters together. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be great on their own, but I love this team up. They bounce off each other so well. We also had that great scene with Paviteer, the Indian Spider-Man, where he's all depressed because he looks at Peter and so many of the other Spider-Men are Peters. And, well, you know, that must mean he's the the knockoff, you know, the the lesser version. So we have Spider-UK coming over and telling him about, you know, all his ventures across the multiverse. And just that great line, who's to say Peter Parker isn't a copy of you? It it was just such a touching, small little scene. But very well done. Yeah, Absolutely. And then we get the big attack on Loom World. Kane's there, gone full spider at this point, actually kills Solace, the patriarch of the Inheritors, before Morlun just jacks him up and stabs him in the head with his own claw. (laughs) (laughs) It's as far as building to a climax, I I don't think you can get people any more ready for the final issue than this did. I agree. Because we know at some point – Miles and the web warriors <laughs> are going to come into action. And I can't wait for that. I, I actually noticed today while I was at work, they're putting out a line of toys with the ultimate Spider-Man animated series. And it's called the web warriors. Oh, really? That's yes. awesome. And so that's why you see the ultimate Spider-Man, the animated ultimate Spider-Man is the one that's really pushing for that to be their team name. <laughs> that is freaking awesome. <laughs> 
And then we also had the third issue of Spider-Verse Team-Up. Uh, the first story from Christos Gage, Dave Williams, and Dexter Vines. This... <laughs> This was hilarious. <laughs> we get Anya and an assortment of other spiders, uh, Spider-Punk, Old Man Logan, Spider-Girl, Spider-UK, and the Indian Spider-Man are trying to recruit Karn, the black sheep of the Inheritors, to help them in taking down the family. And they find him attacking the amazing Spider-Man. I love her costume. <laughs> I love her costume. <laughs> that hat. <laughs> <laughs> and why is she not going with them come on she should so go I, we need to see her fighting oh my god it was awesome I, I just picture her like knitting her webs like, <laughs> the, the rest of the story with the recruitment was like, okay whatever but the, the spider-man yep I, and she's even got like the shoulder pads for, <laughs> under her outfit it's, I love it she steps up to the plate, though, man. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Don't mess with me. Yeah, you Is can take spider me. powers or no. Yeah, you can take me. Kill me. That's all right. Just leave them alone. And you believe it. She's awesome. The f- <laughs> ben and Peter's reaction. <laughs> that was worth the payoff there. That payoff was worth it for even if the rest was like only so, so that that. Well, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to say it, let's be honest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We also had the second story from Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, and Sal Busima. As I said on a couple of the other team-up issues, it's great that they're bringing in all these old-school Spider-Man writers and artists to work on this series, too. So we had this story with uh, Back in the Dead Universe, uh, Uncle Ben and May Parker working out their issues. It, didn't like it. Yeah, it didn't work for me. No. Not at all. And see, this is part of the problem that I have, again, with that character. So it's not the writing. It's just this character and what they're doing with him. And he's – I think part of what I don't like about the character is that they made him too much – too much like Peter, very lighthearted in things, despite the seriousness of what's happened. And it doesn't come off as – He's just lost his marbles because of everything that happened. It's 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 almost like that's his character. And Ben's never been that, you know, jovial, joking around like Peter does. And especially in light of everything that's happened to him here. It just doesn't work. Whereas May's frustration and, and some of it being because of her age and things like that certainly comes off as authentic. And it is believable and you do feel for her. So, I mean, and some of it's a little too emo, but still, you, you believe it. But Ben is just like, God, you're an annoying character. I, I kind of wish they hadn't written Ben into this. Yeah, like, I at no point did I believe that this version of Ben is going to be giving anybody a pep talk. Yeah, no, no, he's, he's, and that's what I was saying before. Like, you're putting freaking Ben in this story. Ben had better be epic. Beginning to end, not just, oh, he gets better eventually. No, beginning to end, he's got to be epic, and that's not what this is. Mm, sad. It is. Because e- everything else they've done has hit on the mark. Yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah, I it, it, it not just a little bothered me. It was like, ah, crap. This is, I hate this. Like, come on. Everything else has been so good. And, again, I keep going back to a character of this importance 
can't just be a throwaway, oh, this one's a flake. That's the word I'm looking for. He comes off as a flake. And it's like, nah, that's yeah. not cool. That's a, a very good way to put it. Finally, we have issue eight of Spider-Man 2099 from Peter David, Will Sliney, and Antonio Fabella, continuing the team up with Miguel and the Lady Spider. Uh, when last we saw them, they were in what was previously thought to be the safe zone, where everybody is now abandoned, and they find a giant Japanese robot and decide they can fix it. I am so happy. You're on your own for this one because I actually didn't read this one yet. Oh, I know, okay. I know, I know. But Well, I, I'm not going to, to ruin anything then, but we spend a lot of time back in Lady Spider's home dimension, oh. including an attack by the Six Men of Sinistry. <laughs> Even the names are better <laughs> in that time. <laughs> and this is just... <laughs> It's not even a full issue, like maybe two-thirds of an issue that we're spending in this universe with this character and her backstory, and I, I need more of this. Cool. The, her design, the villain designs, the way they work together. Oh, man. And this is a thing that needs to exist. And the final page of the two of them riding into battle with the repaired Leopardon, I'm a very happy little boy. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I need to read that like ASAP. Yeah. Like we said, what we've seen, not just with Gwen and Silk, but what it's done for Lady Spider, for Spider-Punk, for Spider-Man Noir, all the Spider-Men that we've seen across this this crossover, each and every one of them is deserving of their own comic. Marvel just needs to create a spin-off comics, Spider-Man comics. It's their own company <laughs> because they could easily publish a dozen comics a month and it, every single one of them would be great. I, I'm not joking. I will be really disappointed if we don't get that kind of thing. Not to you know the degree we want, I, yeah, I know. but something – and more than just one or two series. Man, I'm going to be seriously disappointed because they've set up so much awesome. And we need to see a crop load more of this. Depending on who lives. Yeah, Spider-Verse. Well, at, at the very least, give us an anthology. You know, the Tales of the Spider-Verse, where it's just the continuing adventures of these characters. Yeah. You know, a different character every month. Yep. I, I would accept that. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, as for what we're reading, it's been a couple weeks. I know I have a lot. Do you have a lot? I have a few. All right. You're probably going to take some of them. I guarantee I am. Because you're a bastard like that. <laughs> Latest Batman continuing endgame. Scott Snyder ain't messing around, man. <laughs> I, I don't even know what I can say about this anymore. My... I was reading this comic slack-jawed. I could not believe how far he was reaching with what he's doing here. I have it. I haven't read it yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the latest Guardians of the Galaxy, issue 23, wrapping up the storyline they've been doing with Venom and the symbiote, where Brian Bendis basically just rewrites everything we thought we knew about the entire symbiote species. Not retconning anything, everything that happened with Venom and Carnage and all that still perfectly in line with what we know, but giving an actual backstory to the species and how they work and how they interact with the universe and why did Venom and Carnage and all the rest go so wrong to the point where Flash gets a serious upgrade, an awesome new costume. I, 
it took a while to get there, but the eventual payoff was worth it. <laughs> cool. I trust you at least read the new Autumn Lands. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> the directions he's going with this story. At, at no point did I expect this to turn into a sci-fi adventure. <laughs> Like, like we said, so many of the the broad strokes of the story are exactly what we expect. Of course, once the coyote shows up, it's going to be a con man. You know, of course, they're going to be vying for power and, you know, this and that. But it's the small changes he's making to the script that are making this so special. And you know what's coming. But once it gets there, you you still didn't expect it. You know, what's funny is that. When I was reading this, I was thinking about our interview with Jonathan Mayberry when he was talking about young adult um, literature and how publishers are a lot more open to doing all kinds of different things. It doesn't have to be squeezed into one type of story, one genre, and you can really experiment as long as it's well written. There's a lot more flexibility with that. And as I'm reading this, so far, there's been all of the elements, like you say, of a traditional, you know, RPG type story kind of thing. And everything fits in and to the point of even bringing the, the human over. And you're thinking, okay, well, that's, we expected it and whatnot and all of these things. And then you get that splash screen. Where did you come from in the splash screen? And it's a freaking sci-fi battle. And you're going like, I didn't see that coming. Bravo. Well done. (laughs) So, I mean, that doesn't happen very often. And it really now throws a wrench in everything else we can expect from this story. Because it's not what we expected it to be in the least anymore at all. So now every page turn, you're like, okay, what's going to happen now? And especially when you're seeing the type of character that he is. Because, again, it's been laid out that it's going to be this... Tolkien-esque type of story, fantasy story and all that. And you've got this guy a few pages later dropping F-bombs like they're going out of style. And you go, this is not what I thought this comic was going to be. Once again, well done, bravo. (laughs) One of the very subtle touches that I really enjoyed was that big splash page where like it reveals his backstory. The style of that page was very reminiscent of a lot of the old serials that used to run in the Sunday comics, you know, stuff like Prince Valiant and that stuff. Like it just the way it was written, the way it was drawn, the way it was laid out was very evocative of those old school serials. Uh, That was a pretty cool touch as well. I agree. Because I I have to imagine that's what they were going for. Yeah. The art is always spectacular in these. At this point, the art is assumed to be the greatest thing you've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) How sad is that? At some point, we're going to be reading Autumn Lands and just accepting it as like, yeah, this is the art. Yeah, really? (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't happened yet. Did you check out the new powers? Yes. As much as we were dissatisfied with Powers Bureau... This issue, in addition to, to being great story and whatnot, felt like powers yes. again. Yep. The, the, the previous 12 issues were solid, but it didn't feel right. This feels right. Yep. I I really enjoyed it a lot. I like the the little subtle spins being put on it. I like that the team is 
changing a little, but not too, too much. Or the more working altogether. I like the, the Walker bit at the end kind of thing. Who, who knows what the hell he's going to be like right now, unless they kind of make it so that he's almost the same, which I really hope they don't. I highly doubt it. So I, yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun to read. And the scene in the cop shop with, <laughs> but I got bit by a spider. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, <laughs> those you know precinct house scenes are are always the highlight. And again, that one character is always talking about stuff that's going. There, you know, the one I think it was in the bottom left of the big splash page talking about it's a war, but it's a yes, secret. It's secret. <laughs> How can it be a secret war if everybody knows about it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and <laughs> that outfit is in terrible taste. <laughs> <laughs> not according to my tips <laughs> that page I know that he must have spent forever on this panel because it's massive just so that he knows it's worth it I got this digital I'm like zooming in in every cubicle so people are appreciating this and the work that went into it I, I like that right dead center is the guy that he draws for that other series as well Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name escapes me now, but the, yeah, this the was victories. Yeah, this was freaking awesome. And the Wolverine lookalike dude too, sitting down <laughs> in the Thor. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not proud to admit I actually spent a lot of time on the last page in the strip club, oh. noticing <laughs> all the heroes that that they were painted as. <laughs> yes, I, I promise it was for research purposes yeah, only. Of course, of course. <laughs> Uh, we also got the first issue of the new Uncanny Avengers. I really didn't like this. And I loved the first run of Uncanny Avengers. Loved what Reminder was doing there. It's just so many elements combining that I just can't get into this. I mean, first of all, still got the stink of Axis. That's, that's not going to wash off anytime soon. Second of all, I've never liked Daniel Acuna as an artist. Like... He has his style, just doesn't work for me. And plus the team, I, you know, you got a problem when Rogue is the character I'm most interested in on your team. <laughs> I mean, you got Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, I, I'm over them. You've got, I mean, you have Captain America here, but Reminder's writing Sam in the actual Captain America comic, and he's doing a fantastic job of it over there. So here he's just kind of background generic leader type guy. But then you've got inverted Sabretooth still trying to be Wolverine. You've got Brother Voodoo, who he could be a cool character, but he's nope. I've never gotten into him. The vision, like it's just I, I cannot get into any of the characters in the series either. I didn't even read it. I can't blame you. <laughs> and I'm definitely not reading it now. And then we also got the latest issue of New Avengers. I, I'm going to talk about this every week until Secret Wars hits because if we didn't know that Secret Wars was the big payoff to this storyline, Hickman is doing an amazing job laying the groundwork. Like This issue is pretty much nothing but guys standing around talking to each other. That's The entire issue is just... Reed and Steve and you know, you know, a couple other people, you know, Beast, just talking. And it builds tension of, holy crap, something huge is going down. This is 
the the tension they're building of the universe is colliding and eventually they're going to run out of Earths and it's it's what it's building to. And there is also this great little side bit of Dr. Doom and the Molecule Man who are like in between dimensions, like real craziness. And you can see that it's actually very subtly laying the ground leading to Secret Wars. Like knowing that it's going to be Secret Wars, I can it, – it's kind of obvious, but – it's one of those things where I hate knowing what's coming because it's ruining the story that's being told here. Live like me. Don't read news. Just read the comics. I, I, my head could not possibly be buried far enough into the sand to not know about Secret Wars, though. <laughs> yeah, a smaller thing, like, you know, some of the stuff that I've hidden from you over the couple of years. Yeah, that's easy to ignore. This, it, it's impossible to ignore. All right, what have you got for us? Okay, well, I'll start with uh, all new X Men. Mm-hmm. You read it, of course. Indeed. So, team coming together, teams of the same people. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving the pairings of the same universes, yes. or the, the, the same characters in opposite universes. You know, the two genes are great together. The two Bobbies are. I love God. the line of the "My God, Bobby gets on Bobby's nerves." Even <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's true." <laughs> I loved. Uh, Miles, when he's like face palming, sitting beside them as they're trying to talk. <laughs> Who was I? I think that was Angel and Kitty at one point. They were talking in <laughs> the jet. Um, yeah, this was, I, again, it's, I'm really digging this story arc. I'm really enjoying it a lot. He's doing a great job with it. And like you said, the pairings are great. I mean, yeah, really digging it a lot. And I like that. I like that Miles is thrown in there. Because he doesn't belong. This is an X-Men story. It's two X-Men teams coming together. How does he fit in there? But but he's there. And he's awesome because he's there. So I it was a great decision. Plus, I love that they're fighting Doom as well. Stupid. <laughs> Not Doom. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, newest Invincible. Mm-hmm. You read? I read. Once again. It's it's always so hard to talk about this comic. <laughs> Everything is is great, and my pause certainly isn't. And I'm actually going to leave the pause in. I won't edit it out. the The pause isn't because there's anything that's bad here. The the we'll we'll get to the the touchy part later. But when you're looking at how everybody is dealing with what's happening, and that things are appear to be better. And everybody was, it is, well, not everybody, but nearly everybody is all right with that kind of thing. And of course, Mark has got to be the one that's like, I can't let this go. And, and, and what's his face? Um, dude who lost an arm. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I kind of really dig that. The, the scene with the, her parents kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of writers that would toss something in like that. And you'd read it and think that should have been on the cutting room floor kind of thing. Trim that out. There's no reason for it to be in the story, but it fits here and it lays that groundwork for the reality of what's going on in the world. Mark having to live in that world and try to be normal and not go off on these wild interdimensional activities because of the baby and stuff like that. So there's, it, it really still ties in 
really nicely. It's well done. And then, of course, you have still yet more confrontations with the woman who raped him. And again, we've been saying we were really afraid of how he would handle this because it would be way too easy to not handle this appropriately. That doesn't mean handle it with kid gloves. That means handle it right. And we've been saying he he has been. And we're getting to a point now where the character would not just be not necessarily shying away and or, or bottling that anger in, but some of it has got to be really coming out now. And it's got to be building to what will eventually be uh, him ripping our head off or something. But it's building appropriately. You know what I mean? And and really making you hate her all the more so that when eventually she does bite the bullet, you're, you're going to be cheering a little bit. So, again, all these things tossed in with the incredible violence that you come to expect from this, <laughs> from this freaking cat dude. Um, I, we, we didn't talk about the last issue, the battle between uh, Thrag and Battle Beast. How over the top yeah. cheesy it was but how perfect it was at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it fits. You need some of that in this series because that's what this series is. So, because you've... And and what's funny is that you may look at it and think, well, it's just fan service tossing in the violence because that's what, you know, the readers want. But the way that I look at it, and I'd be the first one to say that if, in fact, that's what I felt. The way that I look at it is that that is a reality in this this world, this universe that he's created, mm-hmm. that violence is a very real thing that is ever present. So to shy away from that would be, wouldn't feel genuine. So you have to have it in there. And it's done in such a way here that it's not all the time. It's a few panels Every few pages. A couple days go by for Mark. Meanwhile, yeah. <laughs> they're still battling. It yeah, so it, it fits. It works. And you have these moments of him trying to have that normal life. And then the moments of this is probably where he'd be if he was still doing a superhero gig. You know? So beginning to end, this was freaking awesome. I loved it. I really loved it a lot. And he came to the only logical conclusion. Yeah, so it was cool. Um, meanwhile, freaking Star Lord, are you still reading this? I, I I'm still a little behind. Yeah, uh, I'm almost ready to clock out. Oh, really? Really getting close to clocking out on this one? Not because it's entirely. Don't worry. There's a crossover coming. <sighs> this freaking Quill Kitty trying to be something coy and he finally bangs her in the back of his ship kind of thing and you're like oh come on this is this is like when he asked if he could grope her hologram and it's like oh my god i can't believe you freaking did that jesus grow up who are you writing for maybe we're just not the target audience i mean there were a few moments where it wasn't horrible but overall it was cliche tripe i i really wasn't digging it at all so, yeah, I'm very close to clocking out on this one. Why is it every time you get me to like a series, it turns to crap immediately? <laughs> well, it had its moments. Here At least there, when I but... recommend something to you, you hate it right away. Fine. Rocket <laughs> Raccoon. <laughs> you 
You read Rocket Raccoon, the news one? Oh, of course. Okay. Well, I don't know. You've been freaking putting that sucker off here and there. Uh, Once I caught up, I stayed caught up. Yeah. I, I was sad that it was a different artist, but it wasn't a bad artist, but I was kind of sad. I, you know, I'm part of the charm of this is Scotty Young's art, not just his writing. As, as we know, Scotty's busy with his own stuff now. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, still cool. Still good story. Really, really, anything that goes wrong now with Groot, we're invested. <laughs> it's like, I was so sad. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't think I was this sad when they killed Nightcrawler. <laughs> so, yeah, it is a good issue, fun, great writing, obviously. And it's just my only complaint is that it wasn't Scotty Young, which isn't to say that the art wasn't good. The art was actually really, really freaking good. I liked it a lot. It's just it wasn't Scotty Young. <laughs> so that's all. <laughs> um Wolverines. <laughs> Because at this point, I have to. <laughs> Not because I want to. It's because I have to. Ask me if it got better. No. <laughs> no, it did not. Although I will say, freaking art was awesome. Juan Do. Well, Juan. Oh, yeah, he's great. You are fantastic. Writing, however, from Mr. Sewell. Not so much. Not so much. You got his freaking character that has a wolf buddy and is just a thief and and uh, was kind of programmed into her and uh, shacked up with somebody and this and that. And uh, it was really the whole bit was and going up against the Punisher just to steal a freaking shirt so that it could be auctioned off. And you're going, this was really, what, what, what was the point of this? You, you've tried to ramp up this story post Wolverine's death and these characters stealing him and all this other stuff. And at what should be a very high mark here in terms of suspense and how thrilling the story is. And you can't wait to read more. We're going to pause, reveal this character that, Oh, surprise. She was also there, but she's a thief. And she's going to steal the Punisher's stinky t-shirt. What the crap? Seriously? The premise for this entire thing was stupid beginning to end. Just absolutely stupid. Did not like it at all. Did I mention I did not like this at all? I thought it was stupid. (laughs) You need not agree with me. I suggest you read it and make up your own mind. I mean you. You should read it, Vince. Oh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll put it on the list. Yeah, you should. Towards the top of the list, because I need to know what you think of this. Maybe it's just me. Did you read, I read uh, the first issue. <laughs> Isn't that enough? Did you read, uh, how the hell are we going to pronounce this? Rain? Rain? I think probably Rain. R-E-Y-N. Rain. No. Number one from Image. Um, new series by Kel Simmons. Simmons? And Nate Stockman did the art. Kind of a... How am I going to describe this? Kind of like, you know, picture the wardens in, in like Dragon Age who are kind of traveling around and saving people from 
creatures that are popping out of the ground, like massive spiders and different things like that. And it's very much trying to be a fantasy type of game using elements that we did see in like Dragon Age and in other games too, where you have the traveling holy people who are saving villagers who don't have the ability to save themselves. Of course, you got to toss in a, a father trying to get his daughter to sleep with him to try to keep him around. Cause that happens a lot. Men whoring off their daughters, uh, trying to toss in a little bit of intrigue with, you know, shape shifting type of things and, and different other groups who can fight and you get weird toad look. It's weird. Okay. And it's trying a little too hard at points. I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily write it off, but it didn't interest me enough that I'd be like, I definitely have to keep reading this series. It was just one cliched trope after another tossed in and not handled well. And then points where it's trying a little too hard and it's like, to try to be a little weird or different or jarring or whatever. And you go like, eh, not really, not so much. I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it. Well, finally. And I can't believe I'm still reading this goddamn thing. <laughs> There's only one reason. And, and I mean, it's obvious from the Wolverines thing that glutton for punishment at times, but this here, I have not been the one over the years who's been reading Iron Man. That's been you. There's Correct. one reason why I'm reading this still. That's Taylor. That's yes. the only reason I'm reading this. And I'm almost at a point. I keep saying that I'm almost, I'm like, I'm past the point where I, I, I just, I'm, I can't keep giving him a chance to impress me because this is, this was not good for me. I know a lot of other people that are really digging this. I've been reading some of the, the Twitter things. I I am not one of them. I did not enjoy Did you read this, number four? I still haven't read you issue still two. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, I did not dig it. I really, 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 really did not dig this at all. I'm, I'm not enjoying it. I'm, I'm guessing I'm in the minority, but I did not enjoy it. And especially the ending that I... I hate that kind of bait and switch bullshit. And I'll find the bleep for that. <laughs> I had to say it. I, yeah, I, I did not like it at all. That's it, I guess. All right. Well then this week's notable new releases, Marvel brings us Angela Asgard's assassin. Number three, Ant-Man number two, Avengers number 41, the Black Vortex crossover starts with Black Vortex Alpha. Finally, we've got Hawkeye issue 21, the beginning of the end for that series. We have Miss Marvel number 11 and Star Wars number 2. DC is bringing us Action Comics number 39, Batman Eternal number 44, Detective Comics number 39, Superman number 38, which I'm only putting on the list because they're making such a huge deal out of the fact that in this issue, Superman gains a new power. Because if there's say. anybody that didn't have enough powers, it's Superman. I thought you were going to say he gained some weight. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason to read this is that he got a little pudgy in the middle there. <laughs> I would buy it. <laughs> and we also have Swamp Thing number 39. 
From Image, we have East of West, number 17, Nailbiter, number 10, Saga comes back with number 25, and Witches, number 4. Other than that, we just have Valiant with Imperium, number 1, which is the new series spinning out of Harbinger, which I'm actually really interested to see, because the deal with Harbinger was at the end of the series, the bad guy won. So Imperium is now following him in his new story. For a cover, he could be standing up and he could be looking down and he could say, I could still see my toes. And then off panel, somebody says, turn off your x-ray vision. He goes, oh. (laughs) What? Because he's pudgy. He gains some weight. He can't see his toes anymore. (laughs) That would be hysterical. I'd buy that cover. I'd frame it. (laughs) That's it, guys. I I got nothing. (laughs) You know where to find us online. If you enjoy the uh, particular brand of idiocy that you can find on this fine podcast, then I should recommend to you our other podcast for the lore, where we take a break from video games and we actually started up this week our Dungeons and Dragons campaign, where you can see the wonderful exploits of Sir Reginald and his half-orc companion. You may want to point out this is not going to be like every week. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yes. they'll, they'll find that out when they listen to the episode, Roger. Yes, true. Because I know they will because it how couldn't fun. you? It was my first one. Cut me some slack. Oh, you were perfectly fine. <laughs> All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Come on. Standing up. You can't see his toes. That's <laughs> funny. Come on. That was funny, you know it. You could admit it. I had no idea what the hell you were talking about. I moved on. I hadn't. I couldn't stop laughing about it. Because I got that vision in my head. Like, why is he making jokes about this Imperium comic? Like, am I missing a reference? Superman. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.